This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside the one, the only, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing today? Good morning. How about you, Jared? I am not doing too bad. A little Valentine's Day action. I enjoy the Valentine you sent me today. That was that was quite nice. Got a chuckle out of that this morning. For what it's worth, I posted on Twitter, but... I'll tell you guys if you didn't see it. It is the who's their head coach? The Rams. Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. Wow, I'm blanking this morning. Kevin Cash asking, "Can I take you out, or can I take you out after 73 pitches? Something like yeah. along the lines of that." Yeah, yeah. hilarious. Did you just throw 73 pitches because I'd like to take you out, or something along yeah. that nature. Yeah, that that's that's a great one. That that one will live on forever. Such a such a funny. Valentine, and also a kind of a interesting, funnily not so funny, because the Dodgers end up winning the World Series on this whole thing, <laughs> thing that happened. Anyways, so yeah, I, I'm. Are you excited to talk a little baseball today, Nate? Of course, always. Always, always. So guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate all the support you've given us, and uh, have a talking fans segment as well coming on a little bit later his name is David enjoyed talking to him quite a bit just really honestly talked Angels baseball we're about the same age and guys if you want to come on and talk a little Angels baseball I'm not going to do too many more of these because we have season right around the corner it's going to be really hard to get people on in between all the other shows we're going to do so not too many more but if you guys want to jump on and talk a little bit of Angels Baseball with myself or anybody else on this show. You can message myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. You can message any of our social media outlets, whether that is Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just look us up and also give us a follow. And, of course, you can shoot us an email at talkinghalos at gmail.com. And, of course, guys, please, please, please tell a friend about our show. Go on and subscribe to this podcast so you get notifications when a new podcast comes out. And, you know, rate our show. Give us a review as well. I love seeing those. Guys, and also, of course, if you have any topic ideas or questions for the show, again, you know, shoot us an email, send us a message, send me a message, send us a message on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I'll reply to you. I'll, you know, try to get us, get the question on the show or the topic on the show. I've had so many come in. It's it's been quite a lot of fun, the outgrowing support that you guys have given this show. So much fun. I, I really enjoy it. You guys giving us all of that stuff. So, guys, and also before we get going and talk some Angels baseball, because we have a really fun show planned for today, give me one second to pay the bills. 
What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you'll get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup fee. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And now, back to talking Halos. All right, guys, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk some baseball in. We're not really going to do any news today. A little bit of a, I feel like I say this a lot, but I guess a little bit of a different show today, a little bit different style, because I had, we did have a little bit more recorded with the talking fans. I just kind of want to jump into some of the best and worst trades in Angels history, you know, just kind of dive back a little bit. And me and Nate did a little bit of research off the top of our heads. Honestly, didn't do too much research on this whole, this whole subject. So if we missed any, shoot a message my way or, you know, at Nate, Nate, where are you on Twitter? Uh, at Nate Green 34. Yeah, go at Nate and bother him and tell him he missed all the trades because he's their scapegoat this year for everything. Just go tell him he's he messed up on this. So, yeah, go go do that if we missed any or if, you know, there's anything that we should have should have been the best trades or should have been the worst trades. We're just going to kind of going to go by the uh, seat of our pants and fly with it. So, Nate, off the top of our heads, I know we kind of talked about this off the record before the show, what is the best trade or what are some of the worst trades that we can think of? All right, so we didn't talk about this one off the record, but I just thought of it real quick. Houston Street to the Angels for four guys who didn't make it to the to the major leagues. I think maybe one of them, Taylor Lindsay, might have made it for like a couple weeks, but I think they gave up three guys who've never made it to the bigs and they got – a pretty good closer in return. So that was a pretty good trade for the Angels. Yeah, no, I that's that's one of the more, I guess, underrated trades because I, I know you love your closers, and I, I don't, but he was a really good closer reliever for the Angels for quite a few years. You know, I think he brought the Angels to the playoffs at least one year, the last time they last time they made it to the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I, I really like that, that trade a lot, and definitely an underrated trade because – you know, you look at Lindsey, really didn't make it up. I think Jose Rendon was in that deal as well, and he yeah. didn't make it up. RJ Alvarez made it up, but was not anything crazy. I think, actually, Alvarez got traded to the from the Padres to the A's for Yonder Alonso, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. It, I, that might not be right, but I, I, I think that he got traded for somebody. But, yeah, definitely an under-the-radar trade that, you know, a lot of people don't really think about. And, I mean, if we really... It's not a trade segment if we don't bring up the Nolan Ryan trade. Granted, Fergosi was one of the best players in Angels history and was probably the best player in Angels history at the time. But anytime you can give up Fergosi and get Nolan Ryan and a couple other guys, I honestly, without looking it up, I don't know if any of these other guys, Don Rose, Leroy Stanton sounds familiar, so he might have made it up at some point. And Francisco Estrada, you know, anytime you can get a name like Nolan Ryan, a Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers of all time, 
is that's a huge, huge, huge thing. And I, do you have any other trades? You know, what, what's one of the worst trades? I, I know we talk about this, and I just bring up the worst trade of all time, in your opinion. Oh, it's got to be it's got to be Vernon Wells. Not a huge Vernon Wells guy. And then you take on his contract, and you give up two actual major leaguers for him, not even prospects. And you allow the Blue Jays to then trade Mike Napoli to the Rangers and absolutely become an angel killer for three, four years. And it was just miserable to watch Napoli go to the World Series and just absolutely rake against the Angels. Yeah, there's so much behind that trade that I don't even want to get into. But, yeah, that's that's one of the roughest trades of all time. Just in general, like, because that, that's such a killer, getting Napoli, you know, getting rid of Napoli and just watching him just destroy the Angels every single time he came up. So, I mean, I don't know. How does this rank? This one rank for some of the one of the worst ones in, in Angels history? Dan Heron for Joe Saunders, Patrick Corbin, and Tyler Skaggs. And I think it looks like Rafael Rodriguez was in the mix as well. He didn't make it up. But where do you think that ranks on worst trades? Or is it one of the better trades? No, I, I think that's got to be on the on the worst end of, of the trades. I mean, the Angels at that time, yes, they were doing a really good job of developing young pitching, and I mean, you see three of them right there. Um, but you can't be giving up three young pitchers for a guy who, yeah, he was good for us, but we we definitely needed those young arms. I mean, you saw us have to go back and get Skaggs a couple of years later, so we we definitely saw the error in our ways a couple of years after that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm going to be honest here. I'm kind of going off a article that was written last year, or I guess two years ago now, in 2019, by Maria Gardado, who is, I believe, now with the San Francisco Giants. And, yeah, it's kind of an you know interesting article. If you look up best trades in Angels history, it, it pops up and it gives you 10, 10 trades. So another one I kind of want to highlight that I honestly I didn't even know. I thought Sean Figgins was drafted by the Angels, but I guess the Angels traded for him, and it ended up being – actually, now I'm thinking about it. He was a Rocky. That that kind of just jumped my mind. But Sean Figgins for – I'm going to botch this name – Kamira Barty. And I know most of you guys are saying, who the heck is that? I'm with you on that. I don't even know who, who that is. I guess it's kind of before our time. But Sean Figgins really ended up having a nice – major league career and had one of the best seasons in Angels history alone. So got to be one of the better trades in Angels history for sure, especially since I don't even know who that is that the Angels gave up. Do you know who that is, Nate? No. And <laughs> you got to remember Figgins pinch runs in the in the World Series to help get us that World Series. So huge, huge, huge trade to get a guy like that who ends up being able to play nine different positions if you need him to and pinch run, whatever, pinch hit, do any job you need to get done. So that was a big one. Yeah, and again, another one that I kind of want to highlight here as well, the Mark Teixeira trade. Teixeira I was for, just going to ask you about that one. Teixeira for Kochman and a right-handed pitcher named Steve Marek. Like, I, I, does that re, does it even need to be given as one of the best trades? Like, you got Mark Teixeira, and he, he hit like 15 home runs that year, I think, right? Yeah. For yeah. the Angels in like... 40 or 50 games, like, Mark Teixeira went all, like, I feel like he was an MVP talk for how well he played for the Angels. Yeah, and I remember uh, his walk-up song had some people going uh, crazy. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, because that was one of the first years that we actually started, like, going to games together and, and all that fun stuff yeah. all the time. So, yeah, getting that Mark Teixeira action was great. I wish 
do you wish the Angels? I mean, that that actually that trade has a lot more into it than just Mark Teixeira alone. I mean, the Angels did pick Mike Trout from you know the yep. Yankees spot. So I don't know. Would you rather the Angels signed Mark Teixeira and hopefully have gotten Mike Trout? Uh, I mean, the reports say they would have taken him with their spot anyway. I don't believe uh, that. <laughs> but you got to say that, right? So you uh, do. So. He's the East Coast guy. You knew that's kind of where he wanted to be. He wanted to be on the East Coast. So I don't think it was for lack of trying. I think he uh, he definitely just wanted to be on that East Coast. So it, it, I don't think they could have done anything better to get him. I mean, is he an East Coast guy or is Scott Boris an East Coast guy? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that's a good answer, yes. <laughs> so, all right, Nate, any other, you know, notable trades and such before we get on to our Talking Fans segment that you want to kind of go over? I, I know we're missing a lot, and I hope some people message me on Twitter and and message us on Instagram and such, even email us. I, I hope you guys do, so maybe we can talk about this a little bit more when we have all three of us, all four or five of us together, so that we can, you know, get a different perspective on what John has to say about the early years of Angels baseball, because, no offense, John, I, you're not old, but you got to see all that <laughs> into the you know 80s and 90s. So, I, I mean, any other mem- notable trades that we can think of? I mean, the Simmons trade was pretty pretty solid. Everybody hates the Zach Greinke trade, but, I mean, it's not a horrible trade. That was the other one I was thinking of was the Zach Greinke one. And I, it, it's really interesting to think about that from a lot of different perspectives, because the Angels trade for Grinky, big name, ace. He pitched okay for them, not great, not terrible. And they gave up Gene Segura, who you know has turned himself into be a pretty, pretty good everyday player. So if they would have re-signed Grinky, it would it would look a lot better. But I think the fact that he signs elsewhere, kind of like to share it, makes it sting a little bit more. Yeah, and Segura was one of the best prospects the Angels had had have had at that time, wow, I can't speak English, have had at that time, that makes more sense. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, you look at his career, and he's had a nice nice career, you know, but getting Grinky for that half a year, and they gave up Johnny Helwig, who I believe pitched for the Brewers at some point, Ariel Pena, I believe, made a debut. So all three of them, I think, were major leaguers, don't quote me on that. But, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting trade, and it helped the Angels at least make it to the postseason, I believe. Did they not make it to the postseason that year? I don't think they did. They didn't, did they? 2012. Did they? 2012. I'm trying to remember. It's been so long ago. Man, I'm starting to feel old thinking about this stuff. I I think they missed it, and he had like a four ERA as an angel. Yeah, that sounds right. People were a little upset that they made that deal for, yeah, they finished third in the AL West, 89-73. And it looks like they were, yeah, people were a little upset about Grinky giving up all we did for him and not making the playoffs and him just pitching average. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that down the road. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that trade at at some point. So guys, I'd love to hear all of your input if you're listening to this podcast. Give me one of your favorite trades, best trades, worst trades that you can think of. I mean, the Vernon Wells is definitely up there for worst trades of all time. I don't know. I don't think I don't. I can't. You know, give the Zach Greinke as being one of the worst trades because you look at how good Zach Greinke is in general and hopefully the chances of signing him. I, actually, I take this back right now. Nate, Justin Upton trade, good or bad? Well, I did not <laughs> like it at the time, but none of those guys have made it to the big league, so it's really hard to say 
that it's a bad trade. I think the mistake was signing him to the extension, not trading for him in the first place. That's such a tough one. That really is because, I mean, at the time, like, all right, just nothing. Like, that's a nice piece to have around Mike Trout. He's going to bat third or fourth or fifth, you know, protect Mike Trout and all of a sudden now you look at it and Rendon's protecting Mike Trout, you have Shohei Otani, Justin Upton's been hurt. I mean, I guess if we could have seen into the future, we probably wouldn't have done that trade. But then again, at the same time, I just don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. You could have let him walk. I don't think I, I would have had a problem with the trade. You know, you give us three minor leaguers and don't make a big league debut for a guy for a month and hope you get into the playoffs didn't get didn't get in, so it's like okay, big deal. Let him walk and sign his hundred million dollar contract somewhere else. Let someone else be stupid enough to pay him that much. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, that's I guess the risks you take as an angel or as an organization, whether or not you know you wanted to want to do that or not. So I think we can kind of wrap that up, and I hope that you guys that listen to this podcast kind of take it in and give us a little bit of input. I'd love to hear it. I, I would love to make this into an actual like whole podcast that we can all talk about because I think I love talking about trades. First off, we both do, you know, once somebody gets signed anywhere around the majors or once somebody gets traded anywhere around the majors, we automatically call each other and it's like, all right, how do we feel about this trade? What do we see? Do we think it's good? Do we think it's bad? So yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a really fun subject to talk about, and heck, even if you can think of any trades around baseball you want to talk to that might you know kind of affected the Angels at, at some point, whether or actually ex Angels as well, that that that's kind of cool too. So guys, if you could give your input on this, that'd be that'd be quite a lot of fun, and I'd I'd love to hear it. So guys, of course, I said we had a talking fans. His name is Dave Marquez, and I actually really enjoyed talking to him. Like I said he's about my age, a little bit younger, and. You know, we kind of are from the same area. We saw the same era of Angels baseball. Grew up basically the same fans, um, and it was just a lot of fun talking to him. So without any further ado, here is myself and David Marquez talking a little talking fans. All right, guys. Welcome back to another installment of Talking Fans. I am here with our next guest, David Marquez. David, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. Doing great. Um, happy Valentine's Day to all the Angel fans out there. <laughs> couples. I got my girlfriend, so we'll be uh, doing something later today. But uh, definitely a good day when you can just wake up and just uh, talk about some Angels baseball. Awesome. Well, happy Valentine's Day to you and your girlfriend. I Let's see. I think me and my girlfriend are having a giant family outing, in a sense. Not, well, not giant because of COVID, but you know, having right. some family over. They ordered some pizzas in from Chicago, so I'm pretty excited about that. Some Chicago deep dish today which I think we do that every Valentine's Day. For some reason, they sent out giant heart-shaped pizzas. So I'm super excited. They're really good, too. So (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. And always, guys, I'm excited to do this part of the show, Talking Fans, because I, you know, get to talk with a super cool person that I don't normally get to talk to about Angels Baseball, bring on a fan and, you know, get their perspective of Angels Baseball, a little different than Nate or Brock or John or all the other guys. So... A little bit different. I, I always enjoy doing this. And of course, if you want to come on and talk a little bit of Angels baseball on our Talking Fans segment, please shoot me a message on Twitter at Jared underscore Tim. You can message any of our social media outlets. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can email us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com. But guys, let's get back to David here. I want to start off with 
How long have you been an Angels fan for, and why are you an Angels fan? I know it's difficult. I do. I, I know it's difficult. But how long and why have you been an Angels fan? All right. So I'm uh, 24 years old. So once I started doing T-ball and everything, like five, six years old, that's when the Angels, of course, won that World Series run back in 02. So, of course, you know, my dad was going to games. It's hard not to really fall in love with a team that wins the World Series. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like – how can you not? But overall, it's just something about, I don't know, it's just something about the, just the game of baseball, baseball in general where I just, like, just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the statistics, uh, you know, the players going out to the field, like, with my family or if it was just my dad. Um, yeah, so it was really that 2002 team that really just, like, really brought me into the baseball world. And since then, I have not looked back. Like, I've just been uh, a baseball fan since then. So I was – and my birthday is in October and later October, too, October 24th. So – I, it's always World Series, too. So uh, when I was about five, turning six, that World Series, my dad wasn't taking me to games yet just because I was kind of too young, and he was going with his buddies. So it was kind of one of those things where he just didn't want to have that hassle, I guess, of a little five, six-year-old running around. Um, but he was at that game six, and I, I, he you know, tells me that story, like, of the Spezio home run. Like, it was just yesterday it happened. So um, my, I, big credit to my dad is the real reason why I became an Angel fan. And um, – yeah, have not looked back since. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love hearing stories of people that were at that game because that's are that, that's probably the best, the best game Angel in Angels game history. Yeah. yeah, best game in Angels history, and one yeah. of the most underrated games in baseball. Like they always talk about like top ten World Series games of all time, and the Angels are never on there yet. It it can easily be a top ten game in baseball oh, history. Yeah, easily. I I think so too. Just facing an elimination, uh, down three two against the Barry Bond uh, Giants. And that was his one uh, World Series appearance, and then, you know, you're the one who, uh, you know, spoiled it for him, really. Yeah, and down big late in that game, too. And then the the key point where Dusty Baker hands the ball off to Russ Ortiz is oh, just yeah. a classic moment. I mean, yeah. underrated game in Major League history, for sure. I'm always hoping that that, that game makes it on to the top ten World Series list always, but I never even see it on an honorable mention, and it kind of – it really disappoints because – Yeah, it, yeah. especially for Angel fans, <laughs> you, you feel like, you know – just get overshadowed by other big teams with their comebacks like the Dodgers, Yankees, whoever. I mean, of course, there's like the Cardinals game six and everything like that, which they should get their credit, but I do think the Angels should get their uh, their credit with that game as well. Yeah, yeah. So many great World Series games in the past 10 years, especially. I mean, you mentioned the Cardinals. The Cubs World Series was fantastic. You know, oh, so yeah, yeah. It, all, all great, all great memories and such. But yeah, that game is just so underrated in baseball history for for so many reasons, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm glad you kind of remember that because I mean you're actually a little bit younger than I am, and I mean I was let's see I was carving pumpkins when the Angels were winning the World Series. Unfortunately, like I didn't I didn't appreciate it very much, and I you know you're a little bit younger than me, so I'm sure you probably don't even remember the Angels necessarily winning the World World Series as much either. Yeah, I, I really don't. Really, what I can start really remembering as an Angel fan, I guess you could say, is like the Artem Moreno area era mm-hmm. of, um, of the Angels' history. So maybe like I'd say like 2004. That's when my dad really started taking me to games. I was like, you know, getting older, a little more mature. I wasn't. So I think back then too, I maybe like got there and it would get super tired and like I just want to go home by the seventh eighth inning. And my dad's somebody who likes to show up at the first and leave when the game ends. You know, he's, there's a lot of Angel fans out there who are just showing up in the third, fourth inning, and then they're gone by the seventh inning stretch. And my, my dad's always been like, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to ride it out with these guys, like, to, to the end. So, unless it's like a, we're getting blown out by, like, you know, 10, 12 runs, sure, it's the eighth inning. But other than that, like, my dad wants to get the money's worth, and he, 
you know, he stays late in the game uh, for stuff like that, for a comeback like that, um, to tell his kids and tell other people and, like, tell them, like, oh, man, you left early. Well, I did it, and look, look what happened. Yep, yep. It's always a running joke between myself and whoever goes to the games with me. After the seventh inning stretch, just walking, watching the walkout because there are so many oh, people yeah. that bounce out of there after the seventh inning stretch, even top of the eighth. It's it's really funny to watch it too. Uh, it, I don't know why, but it's it's hilarious yeah. to see everybody leaving and even a close game. And I guess I get it when it's nine thirty, ten o'clock. You have kids and everything like that. I, I get it, but it's still funny to see everybody you know coming in in the third, second, third inning and then bouncing out of here in the seventh inning, not even seeing a full game. So. On to our next question here that I want to get to. Who was your favorite player growing up, and who is your favorite player now? I think I know who possibly your favorite player now is, but who's your favorite player growing up? Since we grew up in the same era, I mean, we we know very similar I, players. Uh, yeah, because uh, favorite player growing up, uh, and I remember, I think you, Brock, uh, told you this uh, last time, but it was David Eckstein. And um, that, that was personally for uh, me, my my favorite guy growing up. It wasn't just because I, you know, people in my family would say, "Oh, because his name's David," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I I really loved the shortstop position. Like back in the league, that was like my favorite position was shortstop. Um, and also at the same time, really before puberty, I, I was a really small, scrawny kid. And when you know I saw somebody like David Eckstein, I was like, you know, here's this guy who's like five feet five, probably like 120 pounds, and he's just like out there raking, and he's uh. He was a nuisance on the base path and in the field. Like, um, you know, he was always just getting knocks first to third, uh, just hustling. And that's just what I liked about um, his play. Um, you know, I also like people like Garrett Anderson too, but it was you know total polar opposite. He was more like cool, calm, collective. Uh, never really was like charging hard. It looked like he was always kind of you know uh, dogging it a little bit. But uh, I still like the way he went about things and how you know serious he was with the game. And um, how he just went about things, but yeah, overall, I'd say uh, it was David Eckstein was my my favorite player by far. Yeah, and that was just uh, that's what my parents told me to be like. You know, playing yeah. baseball growing up was be like David Eckstein. You know, be that scrappy guy that you don't have to hit home runs all the time. You don't have to go out and make the best play, make the routine play. Make you know, he doesn't he didn't make it look good either, which was funny to see. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, hey, go hustle. Like, he would always hustle to shortstop no matter what in between innings. It was that dead sprint to shortstop, dead sprint in, you know. And he was a great player for kids to role model after. And I actually don't think there's too many of those anymore. Thinking about that now, I mean, you kind of bring up an interesting – I guess we both kind of bring up an interesting point here. There isn't too many of those guys that I would be like – I would tell my kid, oh, you know, play like this guy. You know, I'd right. probably bring him out to a college game or something like that to show them – what that actually looks like to get to that level because I just don't think there's that many scrappers out there. I mean, I would say Johnny Giovatello is one of those guys. Even Mike Trout is definitely one of those guys who hustles down the line always. But there are times where even Mike Trout, you know, just doesn't hustle out to his position or, you know, sometimes dogs a fly ball in a sense. I I, I see it. It it happens nowadays a a lot more than I'd like it to. So, yeah. Well, also, too, I think there's just not – too many players like that were like, next time you hit like two home runs a year, you know, like everyone hits home runs now. It doesn't matter how big you are. It's uh, the game's kind of involved where everybody can be a home run hitter. There's no more, you know, David X signs or like even like a Reggie Willits. I remember I was a big fan of him when he came up with the angels. Uh, you know, he wasn't the best, but he, he would come off the bench. He'd pitch run. Like he, he could bunt, he could, you know, first to third, he could, uh, you know, leg out a double, like, you know, stretch from a single to a double. Like, you don't see players like that really at, at all anymore. I mean, maybe there's, like, a Billy Hamilton now, but um, I think he just signed, like, on 
minor league contracts uh, not too long ago. Other than that, there, there's not too many guys you, you see who, um, who who aren't like that. I guess you could say who aren't uh, you know, taking up stealing bags. Like I feel like that's also like going down in the game. Um, you know, small ball really is, is dying. I, I'd say in the game of baseball. Yeah, no, definitely. And another guy I'd even bring up is D. Gordon, who again signed a yeah. minor league deal with the Reds. I think right. so. Yeah, it's 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 super. It's weird to see that nowadays because that's kind of what we grew up playing with, and now it's all about the long ball. But I feel like that's going to come back eventually. I feel like you know baseball makes its cycles, and you know we'll we'll yeah. see those scrappy guys come back. That we'll see bunting come back. We'll see stealing come back. So at least I hope we do because that that's a that's a big aspect of the game, and I think that's an aspect that makes the game a lot of fun. So there was a running joke even last during the World Series was, are we going to see a stolen base for free tacos? Of course we did, but <laughs> right. it, it was it was yeah. just kind of those things where, well, we might not see we might not even see a stolen base to get free tacos from Taco Bell this year. So right. yeah, running joke as always. Yeah. So I wanted right. to kind of see put you in the spotlight here. I asked you the question beforehand, and you already saw the questions on Instagram, so I applaud you for that. But there were four pitchers this offseason that have signed a one-year, $8 million deal so far. That's Jose Quintana, who the Angels signed, Adam Wainwright, who went back to the Cardinals, J.A. Happ, who went to the Twins, and Robbie Ray, who went to the back to the Blue Jays, I believe. I could be wrong. I think I'm off there or something. But those four guys signed one-year, $8 million deals. Which one of those guys would you rather have signed? So it is a bit of a tough question, definitely, between those four. Um, if I were to really narrow it down, I probably would be uh, Wainwright and Quintana, and I'll do even just a slight edge of Quintana. Um, I do think he's, you know, because Wainwright is a, a bit older than Quintana. Um, he still can, you know, shove pretty well, I think. But overall, Quintana, I could see him just overall. I think out of all four guys, I can really see him have like a pretty good bounce back year. And, and uh, you know, I know he's had some injury problems and stuff like that, and uh, I, I do. I mean, as an Angel fan, personally, in the past couple of years, I haven't been the biggest fan at all of one-year deals. It's just because they haven't really been working out. Some do, but it's just kind of you have them for one year, and either they end up going with another team. So, personally, just in general, I, I'm not a big fan of any one-year deal right now. But, um, but yeah, if, I would probably go with, with Quintana just with Kutu with the lefty aspect. Uh, speaking of Wainwright, just because I do think it will be his last season, and I beginning of the offseason, I wouldn't mind if the Angels went after uh, Yachty and Wainwright on one-year deals just because it's Albert's last year, and I do feel like all three of them are pretty much going to hang up the cleats. Yachty might not. He might uh, try and do one more year because I do believe he said he wants to do a two-year contract, but um, overall, yeah, I, I just, I, I'd go with uh, Quintana just because I do think he has that bounce back in him where he could uh, do real good, like how he had with the, the Cubs uh, after he got traded from the, the White Sox to the Cubs. He had a real good second half with him, so yeah, personally, I, I would go with Quintana. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, not even an Angels bias. I, I like Quintana a lot. You know, I think the upside's there and one of the more underrated pitchers. Wainwright, like you said, it would have been a really fun story to have the Angels bring in Yachty, Wainwright, and Pujols, and all of them basically because they play their last years together. That would have been really cool, actually. And then, of course, also somehow finding a way to bring in Dexter Fowler, too. I mean, granted, he really wasn't with them, but bringing a Cardinal over, too, that, that's pretty cool as right. well so yeah that storyline would have been a whole lot of fun I think Jay Happ's kind of the in a sense outlier here I think that there's still a lot of potential there but I also think that the ceiling is very low for him I don't think that he can be 
that good anymore. I mean, then again, anything could happen. Jay Happ could win the Cy Young. I, I don't know. But And then Robbie Ray, I think, has the highest ceiling here. I, I really do. Barring, you know, any injuries and how bad he's been in the recent yeah. years, I, I think that Robbie Ray could be one of the better deals here. But, yeah, I, I like I would like all of them, honestly. Like, it's not a – the one-year deals aren't horrible. I know people are going to look at me and be like, Jared, yes, they are. We've been through this for the last eight years <laughs> yeah. with the Angels. But, you know, when it comes to these four guys, I'm I'm okay with it because I think they can all throw their innings. I don't know if it's going to be great innings, but they're all going to be innings eaters. And going back even to Adam Wainwright, he's got the World Series experience as well. And Jay Happ has been in the playoffs too. So, And, and Quintana has been in the playoffs as well. So it, there's, you know, a huge circle there, uh, you know, correlation. Any of them I'm fine with as well. So I, I'm with you. With every, whatever answer you would you would give, I'm cool with that. Not even being Angels biased with Jose yeah. Quintana, I I like it. I really do. And of yeah. course, what's up? Oh, no, I was just uh, saying, like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually real excited to see uh, Quintana go out there and play. Hopefully, we'll have you know fans out there. So I, I'm a I've always been a big Quintana fan, even when he was with the White Sox. So I'm excited to uh, see him on the team overall. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I I really like Quintana. I've always been a one of those guys that said, hey, if we can find a way to get Quintana the Angels, I think that makes the rotation that much better. And I think it does this year. I, I really do. I like him. Even coming off the rough year where, I mean, he was hurt, and what can you really take away from 2020 as well? It, it'll be a little bit different this year, and we'll see how it plays out. And, of course, the last question that I want to get to, we've been doing it a lot on this show, and I know you've been listening to it. I want you to grade this off season. I've gotten a little bit of flack for my grades. I will stick with my grades. I think it's been an impressively average off season. It's been good. You know, it's been... A plus material with filling all the holes, but I think it's also been C players that they've put out there. So I I don't know. I, I want you to give you your take on this. Can you grade the Angels off season for us before I let you go? Yeah, yeah I'll give them a, a solid C. Uh, like you said, they um, you know have they filled in holes? Yes, they have. But have they done it with kind of C minus D plus players? Yeah, like as an Angel fan, like. Yes, be optimistic about this upcoming season, but also don't be surprised if, um, you know, by mid, like halfway through the season, it's like, man, like, we, we filled out the holes, but, I mean, we really didn't, we really didn't fill out the holes, if that makes sense. Um, like, the, the players just, that I, I wasn't a big fan of the Alex Cobb deals, to be quite honest with you. Um, I do think it was good for them, though, that uh, they're only paying, I believe, like a third of that contract, so about $5 million. Um, but I didn't like how we traded Jemai Jones. Um, also, I, I liked Dexter Fowler just for the fact that um, the Cardinals are still taking on like 90% of his contracts. If it even would have been half, I would have thought it was a terrible deal because I do think he is an, an aging guy. Um, he was like 35 last year, his contract. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he had a down year and that was it for him. Um, I mean, I'm still going to be optimistic, like I said, about uh, the Quintana deal. Um, I do like what... He did uh, Perry did really early on when he traded for Iglesias, and then he signed. Um, I'm laying out the name, the left-handed sidearm who was with Milwaukee. Alex Claudio. Yes, yes, yes. I do. <laughs> I do like that. Like I, I like that look. Um, I still think they could actually though have a better offseason too. Which I mean, there's guys out there just like Trevor Rosenthal out there, and I know you guys have brought him up, and I'm just absolutely shocked that he's not been signed yet by a team. I mean, there's uh, the Phillies who had, like, total, um, like, a bullpen meltdown last year. 
and, uh, and other teams like Cubs and stuff. And like, I'm surprised he's not been picked up yet. So if I'm the Angels, you know, you know, why not? Like, like you know, go out and ask him. What's his, maybe his asking price is a little too high, and, and you know, already doesn't want to do it. But um, you know, there's still, of course, uh, Jake Odorizzi, and I still think. You know, of course, we have spring training coming up and everything, but I do think that um, they can make it a better offseason. But, yeah, overall, I, I'll give them just a C because they did fill out the holes. Um, you know, a shortstop, too, was Jose Iglesias. I'm excited to see him. He's a you know defensive wizard, and if he, I don't expect him to hit, uh, like, 370 or whatever he did in, like, 40 games last year. But if he can still, you know, bat around, like, 270 and have good defense, then I think that's going to be great. But um, personally, just what I'm, like, a little scared of is just um, – as we're not going to be able to, to really compete because I, I thought, you know, we, we should jump in. Like, the Astros are getting worse. They lost Springer. Um, the, the A's don't have money to really do anything. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be, like, a real – I mean, they're going to be a, a division favorites, yes, but they don't look like they're going to be, like, World Series favorites or, or going to win the, the American League um, pennant. So, uh, for me, going into this offseason, I kind of want to jump in on, you know, on Trevor Bauer. And, of course – he signed for a ridiculous amount, which I'm glad the Angels didn't pay for, but I really did want to see him maybe make a, a or maybe a trade for like a Cal Hendricks or, or something like that. Um, something of that, that line, just cause, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just scared to see what the next off season brings. Cause yeah, a lot of money off the books, but it's also like a lot of holes to fill. And, uh, you know, we'll see is Jared Walsh, you know, the answer at first base, he, he had a good sample size last year, but is he really the answer? You know, is, uh, is Adele going to be the guy to go forward uh, with in the outfield, or is it going to be Marsh? Um, there's just, you know, a lot of question marks, I feel like, for Angel fans, for not just this year, but for the next upcoming two, three, four years. It's just, like, it, it's scary because I've always, too, um, defended. Uh, you know, people say, oh, they're wasting Mike Trout's, you know, best years. And now, you know, he's going to be 30 this year, and it's getting a little scary because, you know, I, I don't want to still say it, that he's the Angels are wasting his best years, but, you know, it's, it's just getting harder and harder to defend for me personally. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I do, and especially with the era that we grew up in, you know, going to playoff series after playoff series after playoff series, I, I totally get that. I, I do. You know, the winning culture was there for the longest time for the Angels in the in the late 2000s, you know, early 2010s. The, the winning culture was there, and it was it was really fun to see that and be around that, and now seeing this and having you know the best player in baseball and adding so many pieces to it so many fun pieces Rendon Otani those type of guys even Bundy and and you know now Iglesias to the bullpen those type of fun players it's it's tough to see them do this so yeah I'm I'm totally with you on that and I'm I'm super excited for next offseason to be honest because I I don't know where they're going to go they have so much money to spend they have so many holes I, I really hope that the Angels are in the news every single week for a different player right. and it's just going to make the offseason that much more fun even though you know the offseason does tend to be boring and then we also have the CBA agreement coming up which is going to be interestingly hard to watch because of everything else that's been going on so yeah it's it'll it's going to be an interesting next 365 days to see which direction they go this season I mean you bring up Jared Walsh who's super you know interesting Adele Marsh they have pieces in the upper minors that can contribute real soon but then everybody else it seems like that are top prospects are lower in the system so I you know I, I don't know you know it's going to be really really interesting to see how this year plays out for the Angels it's it's almost in a sense a make or break year if they can sit 
if they can win 85 games, I think they're in the right direction. Anything above 85 games is a real, you know, plus in my opinion for this season, and you can really, really build off of that. So I don't know. I, you know, I, I am left with a bunch of question marks, to be honest with you. I, I'm just excited for baseball to be back, and I actually do end up – I have one more question for you, and you just got to give win total. I don't need win losses, but how many how many wins did the Angels end up with this year? I know it's tough. I see you smiling, thinking there. I'll give you a second or two to think um, about this. Well, I know. If, if, like I said, if they're – because I would love to see him go after Rosenthaler, another bullpen piece or something, because uh, I do think they, they can compete a little bit more with guys like that. But if, if we're going off just like the team we have right now, uh, don't sign anybody else. Um, I saw an MLB, they projected us at 87 wins, and I do think that was being a little bit generous. Um, I think we, we finished as an overall uh, – the team we have now, I do think we just finished as an overall 500 team, 81 and 81, uh, which is you know still disappointing because it's another year of my child not being in the playoffs. Um, so that's just frustrating for me. But, um, you know, I can't say, you know, you know, angel, or angels just can't sign everybody or trade for anyone. You know, there's repercussions with that. And um, but I, I would like to see overall a winning team. Maybe I'll give. All right, I'll give them a, a winning record at 82 and 80. That's what I'll give. I, I like that. And actually, with the projections, for once, I really want them to just put the angels in last place, just so it doesn't give us hope. I really, like, <laughs> I know that's a bad thing to say, but just, you know, don't, like, I feel like the projections have been 85 to 87. I think they might have projected 90 wins at some point last year before the shutdown, but yeah, I, I, I would really hope at some point, just, you know, put the Angels at 70 wins and l- let us be impressed that they win 82 games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would hope that would be the case. So, David, I, I appreciate you coming on and talking on Talking Fans. I enjoyed talking with you, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I, I was Real excited to be on here. Like I said, been a big fan of the show for like probably over like a year and a half now. Yeah, thank you so much for for that. I appreciate you listening to our podcast. I I like talking to the actual listeners, you know, because it's it's a little different, you know. It's it's uh, it's a different perspective than what I bring and Nate and Brock and everybody else bring to this. So I like I said, thank you so much for coming on, David. And guys, if you want to come on and talk, of course. You know, shoot me a message at Jared underscore Tim's on Twitter. Shoot us a message on any social media. Send us an email at talkinghalos at gmail.com. And, guys, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 